I want to pray and then we'll dive into the word. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for this awesome day. Thank you, Lord, that we get to celebrate our fathers. Um, we just, we bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I feel uh, privileged to speak this day. And uh, the message is going to be a little bit manly, if I should call it. <laughs> and I'd love the gentleman to say, hooah. Come like a, like a strong one, hooah. There we go. <laughs> Since it's Father's Day, give us a moment, ladies. All right? just, just, just some space for us to be. Uh, I, um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a, a biblical narrative to be able to share some things with us this morning. Um, and so I'm going to dive straight because I feel like I've got quite a few things to say. Joshua chapter 5. Now, this is a story continuing somehow from what Pastor Carol shared on last week. Um, if you were here, she talked about slaying giants. And it was such a powerful message. If you weren't here, please get the podcast on our website. It was so profound. Slaying giants. Now, she taught us the story of Joshua, Caleb, and the ten other men that had to go and spy out the land uh, when Moses asked them to do so. And then they came back, and ten of them were so discouraged. They said, we know that the land, yes, indeed, flows with milk and honey, but, but there are giants in there. And so ten people came and said, they are giants. We cannot take that land. We, we looked like grasshoppers in their own eyes, rather in our own eyes. And then those Caleb and Joshua, the Bible says these guys had a different spirit. They had a different spirit. They said, yes, indeed, there are giants in the land. But, but God is with us and we are more than able to take the land. And so they had a different spirit. So this is the story that Joshua chapter 5 uh, continues on. Now, this is the time after Moses now died and the people who disobeyed God, in other words, the people, the ten people, plus the people that were discouraged by the ten people, died in the wilderness. Why? Because they did not follow the word of the Lord. Now, the reason why I believe they died, or one of the reasons perhaps, is because they could not go into Canaan, because Canaan was a place of faith. Now, if you don't have faith in God, you cannot get into the promised land, because they had never seen the promised land. The entire promise was based on the basis of believing God because they'd never been there. Now, if you don't believe God, there's really no need that you should go there because everything was based on what God said. And here they are in the wilderness doubting the word of God. And therefore, I believe they couldn't or they didn't qualify to go into promised land. And so they began to die in the wilderness. Within a space of 40 years, most of them died. And this is where the story starts. Joshua chapter 5. At that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, Make thee sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him uh, sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the heel of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did this. Now, I want you to understand, this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. 
all the people that came out of Egypt, that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out of Egypt were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness, I want you to note that, all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord and to whom the Lord said, Swear that he would not show them the land which the Lord saw unto their fathers that he would give us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Amen. Now, here is the story. Here's the story. Joshua comes to this place. Now, here they are on the verge of entering Jericho, which is part of the promised land. They're on the verge of entering into a place that, that they've been waiting for for almost all their lives. I think someone in the service today read the scripture where, where God gave Abraham the promise. That you will be in the land of Canaan. That's the land I've given to you. Almost 500 years passed before these people could actually get into the promised land. Now they are on the verge of getting into the promised land. I mean, you can imagine these people have seen so many things. They have seen manna falling from heaven. They have seen God causing water to come out of rocks. They have seen God killing and, and destroying their enemies before them. They have seen people rebelling against God. They have seen people being swallowed up in, in the earth because of disobedience. And so you can imagine the kind of experience they have had before coming to this place. And here they are on the verge of getting into the promised land. But then there's one thing holding them back. You cannot get into the promised land unless you are circumcised. All right? As a man. Now, this is circumcision. And by the way, it's not referring to physical circumcision now. So be comfortable. <laughs> Ladies, give us some space. <laughs> so they couldn't get into the promised land unless they were circumcised. And as I was preparing some, I'm thinking, how, how, would, how disappointed can one be? When you've been waiting for something for so long and yet you come on the verge of it and you cannot get into it because you weren't circumcised. Now, in order for us to understand fully this, we have to understand what circumcision meant for them. Uh, circumcision, when God gave the promise uh, to Abraham, the promised land, he gave him circumcision as an external sign of the covenant that he made with him. In other words, in order for you to qualify for inheritance, you have to be part of Abraham's lineage. And in order to be part of Abraham's lineage, you have to be circumcised as a man. And circumcision happened within the first eight days of being born. All right. First eight days. Now, if these men weren't circumcised within the first eight days, the question is, where were their fathers. 
because within the first eight days, they were supposed to be circumcised. And this was uh, a responsibility given only to fathers, not to mothers. It was fathers who were responsible to take their kids to be circumcised. Now, there are two things I would think of. One is either they died in the year or the month that their wives got pregnant within that time before the children were born, or they just went there when the children were born. And so within the eight days, they didn't get circumcised. And so they come to this place here where they are grown men who have to get into the promised land. But they are being confronted with the issues of their childhood that they have to deal with as grown men. What a contrast. Now, I'm a grown man, but I'm uncircumcised. Whereas as an eight-year-old boy, I should have been circumcised. Now, I have to deal with the issues of my eight days when I'm 25. We've got older men confronted with childhood issues. And how many of our men and how many of our fathers are being confronted right now? Not with the issues of their 26, 27, or 28, but with the issues of when they were two. With the issues of when they were five. With the issues of when they were born. With the issues of the circumstances within which they were born. Instead of even dealing with their own issues right now, they have to deal with the issues that should have been dealt with as young boys. And then we've got older men confronted with this. I met a guy that I disciple. He's not very successful, but he's successful in his own right. And uh, this one time as we were praying and he just started sobbing and crying and sobbing. And I, I know it was the Holy Spirit, but I asked him, what's going on? Why are you crying so much? Now he's in his late 40s. All right. I think he's 48. And he tells me, man, you know what? My dad passed away 35 years ago, he said. And growing up, I just never felt like I was good enough for my dad. If I would get 70, he would tell me, you need to get 85% next time. Whatever I would get, he would not appreciate. He would always want me to do better. But not appreciating what I got. And so I've always felt like I'm not good enough and I always have to do better. Now he's gone. I find myself working almost 22 hours a day to try and just, to try and feel as though I am good enough. And you've got an, a 48-year-old man who's still feeling like they're not good enough unless they work for 22 hours a day. Because sometime back in their life, their father never felt like they were good enough. A grown man confronted with childhood issues. I was looking at some statistics that I wanted for us to, to see today as we deal with this issue of men being confronted with childhood issues. I was looking at a report by uh, Stats ASA, and this is one of the things they said. I've got some on the screen that I'll show in a moment. A new report on the living circumstances of young children in South Africa. 
uh, show that while 93% of young children have both biological parents still living, only 36% of them, only 36% of them live with their biological parents. 36. Most young children, 43% to be specific, live with only their biological mothers. And listen to this. 2% live with their biological fathers only. 2%. And 19% do not live with either of their biological parents. Now, these are young children from zero to four. Now, so these are not grown children that can live with their grandmothers and so forth and so on. These are young children. I want us to listen to this video and then I'll carry on with my message or to watch this video rather. Through an amazing and unprecedented moment where the power dynamics between men and women are shifting very rapidly. And in many of the places where it counts the most, women are, in fact, taking control of everything. In my mother's day, she didn't go to college. Not a lot of women did. And now, for every two men who get a college degree, three women will do the same. Women, for the first time this year, became the majority of the American workforce. And uh, they're starting to dominate lots of professions, doctors, lawyers, bankers, accountants. Um, over 50% of managers are women these days. And in the 15 professions projected to grow the most in the next decade, all but two of them are dominated by women. So the global economy is becoming a place where women are more successful than men, believe it or not. And this Economic changes are starting to rapidly affect our culture, what our romantic comedies look like, what our marriages look like, what our dating lives look like, and our new set of superheroes. For a long time, this is the image of American manhood that dominated, tough, rugged, in control of his own environment. A few years ago, the Marlboro Man was retired and replaced by this much less impressive specimen, who is a parody of American manhood. And that's what we have in our commercials today. The phrase firstborn son is so deeply ingrained in our consciousness that this statistic alone shocked me. In American fertility clinics, 75% of couples are requesting girls and not boys. And in places where you wouldn't think, such as South Korea, India, and China, the very strict patriarchal societies are starting to break down a little and families are no longer strongly preferring firstborn sons. If you think about this, if you just open your eyes to this possibility and start to connect the dots, you can see the evidence everywhere. You can see it in college graduation patterns, in job projections, in our marriage statistics. You can see it in the Icelandic elections, which you'll hear about later. And you can see it in South Korean surveys on sun preference, that something amazing and unprecedented is happening with women. Certainly, this is not the first time that we've had great progress with women. The 20s and the 60s also come to mind. But the difference is that back then, it was driven by a very passionate feminist movement that was trying to project its own desires. Whereas this time, it's not about passion and it's not about any kind of movement. This is really just about the facts of this economic moment that we live in. Um, the 200,000 year period in which men have been top dog is truly coming to an end, believe it or not. And that's why I talk about the end of men. Now, all you men out there, I don't, this is not the moment where you tune out or throw some tomatoes because the point is that this is happening to all of us. I myself have a husband and a father and two sons whom I dearly love. And this is why I like to talk about this because if we don't acknowledge it, then the transition will be pretty painful. But if we do take account of it, then I think it will go much more smoothly. Amen. 
<laughs> Can I hear a hoo-ha? Like a strong hoo-ha. <laughs> I don't know where the hoo-ha is gone to. When you look at all these statistics, um, and again, I was saying to the ladies at the office that I don't think there should ever be competition between men and women. I think God has created all of us to be a hundred percent. I don't think a 50-50 thing is important. I think all of us have to be a hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's how God created us. God didn't create so that in a marriage you are 50-50. No, God wants you to have a hundred. And God wants me to have a hundred. God wants you to fulfill your full potential in him. And God wants me to fulfill my full potential in me. But it's a problem now when we have these statistics against men. And I believe most of it is attributed to the fact that older men are being confronted with childhood issues. And what is the answer? Now that we are on the verge of, of getting this promised land, but we find ourselves that we are uncircumcised, that the only people that qualify for the promised land are the people who are in covenant with God. And the sign of the covenant is the fact that you've got to be circumcised. How, how painful can it be now that you are a man, but you have to deal with the issues of your boyhood? And by yet, you have to confront it. For example, the issue of responsibility. We've got men who are confronted with the issue of responsibility as older men who cannot take responsibility. Because as young boys, nobody taught them how to take responsibility. We've got people who are confronted with things today. But things that have mainly come because as boys, they never learned to deal with those issues. I've got a picture of a very successful golfer. If you play golf, you probably know this person. I didn't know him much. Um, I heard of him from somewhere else, so I thought the story was nice to share. But this is Greg Norman. He's going to come up in a moment. Uh, Greg Norman was a wonderful golfer. He's an Australian-born golfer. He won so many tournaments. He did so many great things. And this was in 1996. He was playing the Masters. And uh, he was leading by six strokes. Uh, Shaw would know strokes. I just memorized the story. But he was leading by six strokes for the first three days because it was a four-day tournament. And the last day he was playing Nick Faldo. And the last day of the tournament, he was overtaken and he lost. It was a very painful moment because he was the current, a then current champion. And so he had to give up his championship to this man, even when he had been leading for three consecutive days. And this was at the end of the game. And he was crying and he hugged this guy. And apparently they hugged for over a minute as older men. And in an interview after the whole time, after they'd cried and hugged each other, and people were asking him, why did you hug the guy and why did you cry so much? And this is what he said. He said, I wasn't crying because I had lost. Uh, I have lost a lot of golf tournaments. I will lose a lot more. I cried because I had never felt that from another man before. I have never had a hug 
like that in my life? How is that for a golfer who is a champion and is crying and hugging another man for over a minute because he feels like nobody had ever hugged him in his entire life? How can an older man be struggling with the fact that nobody had ever hugged him? Isn't this a boy's issue that a man is now dealing with? Because when he was a boy, he said, every time he would go to his father, his father was very strict and hard. He would always want to shake his hand. Even when he would run to his father to hug him, his father would just want to shake his hand. And he grew up never having hugs from his dad. And this man gave him a hug and he cried like a little boy. A grown man confronted with boyhood issues. The people are on the verge of getting into the promised land. And yet they are confronted with boyhood issues that they have to deal with. How many of these do we have? Here are some of the statistics that I got. These are from the U.S., but I believe they're very similar to us. It says 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes, uh, 14 times the average. This was done by the uh, Department of Justice and Behavior in that book that was published. You can read that if you want to. 85% of all children who show be behavior disorders come from fatherless homes, 20 times the average. 71% of uh, all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, nine times the average. 63% uh, of youth suicides are from fatherless homes, uh, five times the average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes, 32 times the average. See, yes, I understand we're living in a society where Previously, it was what people would call male-dominated areas or male-dominated society. But I don't want us to turn that society into an unmailed society. Because the impact that fathers have on their children is very profound. The impact that, and the contribution of fathers to the household, to the family, it's very critical and it's important. And if we are seeing all this, and I believe the enemy is in the business of almost castrating men in our society. And how is it doing that? I think primarily is by taking fathers out of their homes. And the moment a child boy grows up without knowing what a father should do, what a father looks like in a home, there will never be one. And so Joshua and the people find themselves here before they get into the promised land. And God said to Joshua, I want you to circumcise these people. Isn't God merciful? That the things that our natural fathers couldn't do. The areas where we have fallen and we are, we've been unable to do what we should have done. 
God comes to Joshua and says, I want you to circumcise them. It must have been a lot of work for Joshua, I would suppose. For all the men who had not been circumcised to be circumcised. But somehow, the men had to deal with the pain of being circumcised as a grown-up man. Because you cannot avoid the pain of, grow, of, of, of being circumcised as a grown-up man. It is a pain that you cannot avoid, although it should have been there when you are eight days. But even if you are 25, because you have to deal with the issues, the pain will still be there. The pain will still be there. And, and it becomes, I believe, even more painful to deal with the boyhood issues when you are older than when you should have been young. Because when you are older, it does not mean being circumcised at your age almost exonerates you from your current responsibility. It means you still have to carry on with what you're doing while being circumcised. Whereas when you're a child, your mom is still taking care of you while you're being circumcised. And the responsibility becomes even more. And so we have so many men in pain and angry. In, in pain and angry just because now I have to deal with the issues that I should have dealt with. And now we've got people who don't even know how to deal with these issues and so they're just angry. And you just find men who are just angry. And you look at the statistics of crimes that are committed in our country, you find men are at the forefront of this just because they're so angry. And we all ask ourselves, why are they so angry? Because the pain of dealing with the circumcision as an adult while still attending to your current responsibilities more than when you're a child. And so we've got all these things that men are dealing with. But we serve a merciful God. And God comes to Joshua and says, Joshua, I want you to circumcise these people. I want you to circumcise them so that they can get into the promised land. And Joshua began the work of circumcision. And he does the circumcision. And they do something so profound in that chapter 5, I think verse 6 or 8. The Bible says, God says to Joshua, I want you to have a Passover feast. I want you to have a Passover feast. Now, if you read the scriptures very well, this was the third Passover in the entire history of the children of Israel. The first one was the one that they had to, the night they had to leave Egypt. The second one was when they were at Mount Sinai. And after so many years, because they always felt unqualified to celebrate the Passover meal. Because as a Passover, you could not eat of the Passover meal if you weren't circumcised. And for the first time, the Bible says, Joshua calls the person, we've got to make a celebration. We've got to celebrate the Passover, remembering the covenant of God. And I want to say this to the men here. If you are here and you're experiencing the pain of something you didn't get or something you didn't give, there's, there's hope for you. The things that our natural fathers couldn't do or the things that you couldn't do, God is doing. But somebody is going to yield to the instruction of God. And I believe today, we're going to pray. Joshua is a picture of a spiritual father in a way that God gave the responsibility to, to do the things that the natural fathers couldn't do. And there's an anointing in that, in the spiritual father 
circumcising and doing the things that the natural fathers couldn't do. And so they celebrate the Passover. They celebrate the Passover. And the Bible says after that, Joshua had a profound encounter with the angel of the Lord. And then we see how they took Jericho and they got into the promised land. And they celebrated. But they had to go through that process of being circumcised as men. They had to go through that process. Then fast forward in chapter 24. Joshua now is... He's old, he's an old man. He's experienced. He's circumcised the people. He comes to the people. And he says to them, hey guys. You know it's the Lord who's done all these things for us. He's delivered us from our enemies. He's given us this land. But I want you today to choose between the Lord and your idols because it's important where your loyalty lies he says but for me and my house we will serve the lord but but i want you to choose and that's a challenge to us today what are you going to choose as a man what are you going to choose as a father are you going to choose to raise your children in the ways of god Or are you going to choose to raise your children in the ways of the media? What are you going to choose? Joshua says, it's a challenge to you men today. I want you this day to choose between the Lord and your idols. Who are you going to follow? It's a challenge for us today. Are you going to continue being stuck on your phone watching porn? Or are you going to be stuck on your phone reading the Bible? Which one are you going to follow? Choose this day. Which one are you going to follow? Joshua gives the challenge. And I'm giving the challenge to us today. What are we going to choose? Who are we going to follow? Are we going to follow the Lord? Or are we going to continue angry, upset, absent, never there. What are we going to choose? And I want all the men to stand. And I want all of us to stand. And I want you to know that whatever battles that you are going through, you're not alone. You're not alone. Sorry, all the men, please. (laughs) Thank you, ladies, for volunteering. But I want you to know that whatever battle that you are going through, you're not alone. In fact, Paul says, no temptation that has seized you that is not common to man. And he says, in every time that you are tempted, God always makes an exit door for us. And I want us to lift our hands and make that decision in your heart as men. Like this day, I am going to choose the Lord. And that this day, I am going to follow the Lord. I will lead my family in the way of the Lord. And I'm going to ask Pastor Andrew to pray for us as a spiritual father in this house. 
creating a spiritual circumcision. The things that our natural fathers didn't do, God is able to do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Paul talks about circumcision as a circumcision of the flesh, removing that which is of the flesh from our hearts. It's not external, as Mike said. And I feel like one of the idolatries that God wants to remove from men is that driving after the things of the flesh. Most temptation in the world of lust, most movies that come out trying to lead men astray, the desires of wealth and success, the enemy targets men for the things of the flesh. And Paul says we must choose to align our minds to the minds of the spirit, not a mind of the flesh. And I feel like the first thing God wants to do is set you free from the flesh having control. And Father, I pray for each man standing here. Every battle, every struggle that they face, we release a grace and a power and anointing to come and set free, to set free from the past, to cut off every desire, every activation, every temptation, every idolatry of their flesh that we lay it down right now. And just as they said to Joshua when he claimed before everyone, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I want us as men to say that together now. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Say it again. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Say it over your own body. As for me and my flesh, I'm going to serve the Lord. Dad, you know what each one's been through. You know the wounds, you know the pain, you know what they received that was bad and didn't receive that was good. And Holy Spirit, would you come and flood each one of our hearts right now to bring healing, even over the daughters, wherever a father's pain is still present or a fatherless pain. Holy Spirit, move through this place right now. Bring healing. Bring healing, Lord. Reveal your Father heart in ways that our earthly fathers could never do. Thank you, Dad. And now, fathers, we release the grace on you to raise children who are strong, healthy, with a good image of God, to raise children who will be fathers and mothers that will not abandon to be men who will not run away, to be men who will push through, to be men who will stand strong, to be men who will raise sons that will be good fathers to their children. And the only way this turns around is if the church starts to get it right. The only way is if God's people get it right. The only way the kingdom was pushed through the world, through Israel, that God became famous, was through those who were circumcised, was through those who said, we are the church of God. And we are going to do it differently. And we're going to raise up a generation that the world will look at and say, we want that. And we declare that over this church. We declare it over every man that's not here. Raise up men who will not be statistics, but will do it your way and have the grace to get it right in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Father. I'd like to give Pastor Mike a hand as well. It was a great word, bro. Great words.